Welcome back to WRSU, the crew on 88.7 FM, New Brunswick. It is hour two of the Wednesday crew. I'm Jack Basaya, along with my good friend Gideon Fox in the studio today. And I think it's time to delve into some NFL actions. You know, it's midweek, um, I think, for the kids that were on the show on Monday and Tuesday. They've talked about it. But I have not talked much about the NFL so far this week. And Gideon Fox, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Jack, I was I was waiting for that. I waited about an hour and five minutes for that to come out. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, how about your Cowboys? I was... They they did it without Dak. They won a game without Dak. It's as good as Dak Prescott is, and I think that's Dak Prescott's a top five quarterback in the league this year. But they they won a game without Dak. You know, I think that says a lot about a team. For my entire life, Gideon, I've seen the Dallas Cowboys lose that game. For my entire life, if if this was two years ago, we would have lost that game. If this was four years ago, even with the rookie, or rookie Dak and Zeke. Actually, that was five years ago. Five years ago, we lose that game. If it was any time under Jason Garrett, we lose that game. It's, it's just been such a theme to lose these close games on the road where the game's in the palm of your hands. To see us go down the field with Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush had one completed pass in his entire NFL career before last night. With Cooper Rush as our quarterback, we pull out a win against Minnesota on the road on a big Sunday night stage, Halloween night. I mean, I, you can't be more happy if you're a Cowboys fan. I mean, this was this was the dream sort of game. Cooper Rush, he threw 40 times, 325 yards. He had two touchdowns and one interception. If you're if you if you're Cooper Rush, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you couldn't ask for anything more. It's Co- Cooper Rush. Um, you know. For, by all accounts, he looks like a phenomenal person. His family, that was one of the best things of the night, seeing them go crazy in the stands. But at the end of the day, he's Cooper Rush. You don't really expect Cooper Rush to go out there and win you a Sunday night football game like that. And for him to do that was just incredible. Um, at the same time, we rested the Dak. You know, he was having that calf injury. It was a little bit am- am- ambiguous about, you know, who if he was going to play or not. It was like kind of that guessing game. Um, he ended up not playing. Cooper Rush did his thing. And, you know, you, you just go down the line. It's just such a huge win for us on all levels. It's <laughs> if, if you're a Cowboys fan this week, you should be feeling very, very good. Yeah, so first of all, is is Dak supposed to play this weekend or is Cooper he's Rush going to be under center? He's on track to play this weekend. Um, today, so they said they said at the beginning of the week that Dak was going to be limited today. He's going to be a full go tomorrow, and he's on track to play on Sunday. Now, today he was limited, as they expected. Tomorrow he's supposed to be a full go, and all signs point to him playing on Sunday. Okay, and you're playing at home against the Broncos. You know, That's not a divisional game. That's not a a tough game. Broncos are 4-4. And And Von Miller's now an L.A. Ram. Yeah, Von Miller's on the team that's about to win the Super Bowl. So, That's a hot take, Gideon. I'm very confident in saying that. I am very – I mean – they're win now. I will. The Rams will not even be. The Ram, the Rams aren't going to be a shell of themselves in five years, five six years. They're going to be completely different. I'm, if you, can you get look a at Super that Bowl defense, that. oh, how do you not get a Super Bowl out of that? I mean, that defense is just so dominating. It, it on paper should be so dominating. 
No, absolutely. I I think the Ram I think the Rams have really put together a really good defense. Um, they've sacrificed their entire future for it, but I think they put together a really good defense. You got three Hall of Famers on that defense. Easy Hall of Famers: Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, that's that's incredible. Um, but yeah, looking back looking back to the Cowboys game, even if you look at you know the the receiving numbers, even Amari Cooper eight receptions, 100, 122 yards. The game-winning touchdown at the end was a phenomenal catch. Um, C.D. Lamb, 6 for 112. Cedric Wilson, 3 for 84, that huge touchdown in the second half. You know, our supporting cast really came out and played played up to their standards. And as much as I just praised Cooper Rush before, you know, if our, if our supporting cast didn't step up to, you know, alleviate, alleviate, you know, not having Dak Prescott out there on the field, it would have been a much different story. Um, and I didn't even mention Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott had the play of the game on that third and eleven. Do you remember? You know what I'm talking about, Gideon? I do. Yeah, that was and that was an excellent play by Zeke. And you know, besides for that play, it's not like Zeke had a, a text. You know, a, a highlight day. If you have Cooper Rush on the field, you would want Zeke to get over 100 yards if you want a chance of winning. He got 50. Like if you if you if I erased the score off my screen and I looked at these numbers and I saw Cooper Rush had a pick. He threw for 300 yards, but he had a pick. Zeke only had 50 yards rushing. We lost the turnover battle, and you gave me those stats. I would say we lost this game, absolutely lost this game. There's no chance we won. I would not believe you that we won. And a big part of that was the defense. I've been talking about the offense so much, but the the defense came out and played their hearts out, basically. Micah Parsons had his best game as the Dallas Cowboy. He just looks better and better every single game. Trayvon Diggs didn't have a pick, but... He was Cowboys secondary. He was able to really hold Justin Jefferson in check, which, you know, as a fantasy manager, I was very upset about. But as a Cowboys fan, I was very happy about. Um, that's the classic fantasy uh, <laughs> fantasy fantasy conundrum that you can get yourself into. But defense played phenomenal. Um, obviously, I can go name by name by name and talk about their invisible performances, but I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Bore bore Gideon out of it. But. Um, I guess last thing I'll say, I'll say about this Cowboys game, going to the other side. I don't really, at the end, I listen to a lot of national media, like Undisputed, and I don't, I don't listen to First Take anymore, but listen to a lot of Undisputed, mainly because of Shannon Sharp, because I think he has really good insight into what he's talking about for football. Um, and I actually agree with him on this point. This game is honestly an indictment on Kirk Cousins. What do you think, Gideon? Yeah, I... I get where that's coming from. I mean, he was 23 for 35, 184 yards, one touchdown. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, they have receivers. You have Adam Thielen, who no receiver had above. Adam Thielen was was their leading receiver, six receptions, 78 yards. And you have someone young like Justin Jefferson. And at some point you want to say that the the Vikings should be a run-first team as long as Dalvin Cook is healthy, just feed him the ball. You know, we, we've seen how good Dalvin Cook is, and Alexander Madison is a great backup. He had to step in several times for Dalvin Cook. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It's weird because on one hand you could say the Cowboys were just so good and the Cowboys won a game without Dak Prescott. But then again, I you know Kirk Cousins I think has never been Kirk Cousins has always been a mediocre quarterback. He goes out, he does what he does, overthrows a couple receivers, you know, throws a couple touchdowns here and there. But twenty three for thirty five, 
23 for 35 is not something you write home about. So you watch the game, Gideon, and you know he's he's not pushing the ball down the field. It's quick checks, screens that are not going anywhere. He's throwing behind the line. There was one play where Kirk Cousins threw like a pass like five yards behind the line, and Micah Parsons made a great play on Matt, uh, Alexander Madison and stopped that play in his tracks. Like, you know, what are you doing? Like, you got it in the NFL. You got to be able to push the ball down the field and make the defense, you know, be honest. You have Dalvin Cook. You just mentioned that, Gideon. Dalvin Cook's a phenomenal running back. Um, it's just, it's if I was a Vikings fan, I would be extremely frustrated. Um, I know it's always fun, Gideon, when you know you see you watch a game, and especially when it's your favorite team, you go to the other side, you go to the opponent's Twitter account, and you see what they're talking about from their <laughs> vantage point. It's always interesting to see that. Ninety, from what I saw on the Vikings Twitter account, ninety-nine percent of the Vikings fan want Mike Zimmer gone, and I don't blame them. If I mean, if you're if you're the Vikings, you should be embarrassed after losing this game. You should be wholly embarrassed for losing this game. So that's why I'm not so tempted to say that game was a full indictment of Kirk Cousins. I I don't think that Kirk Cousins, you know, he's not he's not your franchise quarterback. If he, you know, and any guy that plays that puts up the numbers Kirk Cousins is putting up right now, if any guy that puts it up in college is just not getting drafted in the first five rounds, not even close. You know, if they get drafted at all. So at some point is it is it Mike Zimmer and the play calling that's been off? Or is it? Are they calling plays that they know are the only plays Kirk Cousins could run? I, that's a good point, Gideon. And you know, obviously, you don't have all the answers to that. But you know, at the end of the day, Cowboys ha- felt comfortable enough to say, "You know what, Dak? We don't think you're ready to go. Let's start Cooper Rush, and we think we could eat, we we think we can win this game without you." Because Dak said a million times last week, if it was a playoff game, he would go. He would play. So that led me to believe that Dak was probably about like 75, 80% there and could have played. But at the end of the day, the Cowboys said, let's put Cooper Rush out there. We think we can get this game. And they did. Um, that That's a lot of confidence in your supporting cast. Now you mentioned it, and it paid off. You had two receivers over 100 receiving yards, one receiver with 84 yards. But, I mean, that's that's a, that must be a huge vote of confidence for your receiver, saying we're going to bench, not bench because of his performance, but, as a precaution, we're going to rest Dak Prescott. We know how good he is, but we're going to put in this guy who's never proved himself before. It was telling to see how much confidence they had in Cooper Rush throughout the week. Now, I know it's customary, like, if Mike Glennon has to go start for the Giants, and I'll switch it over to the Giants in a couple minutes, but um, if Mike Glennon had to go out and start, Joe Judge would probably say, oh, you know, we feel confident in him. Like, you know, we think that he could get the job done. But – Throughout the week, there was a there was unusually I saw an unusual amount of confidence in Cooper Rush. Like uh, Mike McCarthy said, the playbook's completely open. It's like as if Dak was there. They have full confidence in Cooper Rush. They think he can make any check he wants. They feel extremely confident. He's been there for a couple of years, and that was pretty telling um, to see the amount of confidence that the Cowboys had in Cooper Rush to go out there and play. And I know for at least for me being an athlete in high school, having a coach have that sort of confidence in you saying like, look, we believe in you. We think you can go out and win this game. That does a ton for your confidence. Just to say, just for your coach to go out and say something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, especially knowing that you're going out in place of someone like Dak Prescott, you know, knowing that your coach is, is trust you enough and has seen, you know, we, we don't see what happens in Cowboys practice every day, but we see, 
you know, we saw the product that Cooper Rush put out on the field. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's probably a huge amount of confidence when, when you get the news that you're going to be starting the game over Dak Prescott, who was 75, 80% there. Um, but you're going to get the news to start over him. And I think, you know, on the, on another NFL game that we saw that we, we saw Mike White of the, of the New York Jets and forget about the confidence that Mike White had before the game, because the Jets are in a very, very different place Mm -hmm. than the Cowboys are. The Jets don't really have a supporting cast like the Cowboys do. But I mean, imagine the confidence level on a guy like Mike White right now, who just wa- who defeated the Bengals and then left the, his home stadium with the crowd chanting his name. Talk about a game, man! Mike White was Mike White was incredible, and our our sports director Chris Sikonis was furious that he could not watch that game. He said himself he could not believe that on the one day that he had to work on Sunday. Um, to believe it was the men's and women's soccer games on Sunday. He had the call game that the Jets actually were looking like a competent football team. He said that, and I I thought that was hilarious because it it would be so Jets to do that. But um, Gideon, you have any last words on the Jets before we move over? Jets or Cowboys? We move over. Yeah, absolutely. I I have a lot to say about Michael Carter. Okay. Um, I took him in a in a fantasy league in a dynasty league um in our rookie draft because I I figured you know. When I like when I start dynasty teams, I'd like to build up for my future, right? I like getting my draft picks. So Michael I really, Carter I really do a lot of dynasty leagues. I might have to try that. It's fun if if you like fantasy football, then dynasty will it'll change your life. Okay, <laughs> I like okay. It. it's it's so much fun. Um, but it brings a whole other level of like, you know, when you when you draft a, a win now redraft team, you're not gonna, you know, there's gonna be some guys that you avoid. But, you know, you're probably not gonna draft Michael Carter in a 15 round draft. Um. But right on on Sunday, Michael Carter had 15 carries for 77 yards and one rushing touchdown, nine receptions for 95 yards. He was their leading receiver. He had one more reception and 11 more yards than Jamison Crowder. Wow, really? He was the leading receiver for them. He was a leading receiver and the leading running back. He was the leading running back. I mean, Ty Johnson had four carries. Mike White had five. I mean, he was the leading running back by a lot, and he was the leading receiver. By a catch in 11 yards, I mean, that's, do you know, that it's, if you're a guy like Michael Carter, I mean, that that's a Christian McCaffrey stat line from a couple years ago, and Christian McCaffrey is, or, you know, before his injuries, was the best receiving back in the NFL, and in no way am I saying that Michael Carter is playing at the same level that Christian McCaffrey was before his injuries, but when you have a guy that, I mean, if, if Michael Carter put up 77 yards on the ground on the Bengals, I think Jets fans would be satisfied. And if any Jets receiver put up 95 yards receiving, I think they'd be satisfied. Absolutely. And I'm looking at the numbers now. Like you said, 15 carries, 77 yards, 5.1 yards a carry. That's incredible. Nine, nine receptions for 95 yards. That's almost close to 200 yards total. Like And a touchdown. All, purpose, all purposes. And a touchdown. I mean, Michael Carter, I mean, he, he, could be, he could be the future at the running back position for the Jets. Who knows? Uh, moving forward. And, you know, lucky for us, we get to see him tomorrow night. Um, on Thursday night football, and now I know I know we have Colts fans here at the studio, but I've been saying for a couple of days now, why do they put the Indianapolis Colts on primetime so much? Like, <laughs> I I that's my I you my don't like seeing Carson opinion. Wentz every week? No, I really don't actually. That's <laughs> that, and that, I don't think and I don't think that's my Cowboys bias coming out. I I just don't like seeing Carson Wentz on primetime, and it's it's been like. This is like the third time in like five weeks, I swear. Like they played Sunday Night Football 
against the 49ers. They had Monday Night Football against the Ravens, and now they're on Thursday Night Football like right now. So it's so much Colts on primetime. I'm kind of getting tired of it. Um, I guess moving on now to the Monday Night Football game that was a couple days ago. Gideon, I don't think you were on last night. Um, so this might be your first reactions to your Giants. Um, they had a difficult loss last night, uh, the other night against the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs are looking like an absolute shell of themselves right now. They got an absolutely massive break with Aaron Rodgers going down to COVID. Um, so they have a much better chance to be in the Packers this Sunday. But the Giants fell just short, 20-17. to 17. Tough loss. Um, I don't think any Giants fans were going into the game outside of Dylan McCoy thinking that they were going to win. But, um, you know, they ended up dropping it, and, you know, it is what it is. Gideon, what do you think about the Giants' performance on Monday night? Yeah, I mean, first of all, they lost by three to the Kansas City Chiefs. And saying that, Jack, like you mentioned, if the Giants were to lose by three to the Kansas City Chiefs last year or two years ago, I'd be the happiest person ever. Um, but like you said, the Chiefs are not who they used to be. They're a shell of themselves. I think defenses are figuring out Patrick Mahomes. They don't have the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is hurt. I think the Giants losing to the Chiefs by three at Arrowhead Stadium is a win for the confidence. And it's one of those games where it's, you know, would you rather have gotten blown out by the Chiefs or would you rather have lost by three? And I think it's better that the Giants would have lost by three because, I mean, we, we know the Chiefs' defense is, is not as good as their offense. And... Their offense is how they win games when they do win games. Um, but losing by three to the Chiefs, I mean, that means that your offense is able to keep up with the Chiefs' offense. And as bad as, or not, not as bad, but as relatively bad as the Chiefs are to years past, they still have Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill. That's a that's a, a deadly combo. And Absolutely. As, you know, you could say we want about Patrick Mahomes, but Tyreek Hill's fast. Tyreek Hill had 12 receptions, 94 yards. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was had 29, was 29 for 48. 275 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But the quarterback that I really want to talk about is Daniel Jones. I was about to, I was about to ask that because I ha- I know one person at the station, <laughs> Dylan McCoy, who's really bullish on Daniel Jones right now. Um, I wanted to hear your opinion on him because I don't think I'm being biased. Um, I just really don't see Daniel Jones. I think if there's no other better better option in the draft, which are very not very well might not be this year, I think you give him a contract extension. But in terms of being the guy for the foreseeable future, I don't really see that as Daniel uh, being Daniel Jones. Now, if the Giants want to do that, hey, I'm I'm all ears because I would love to see I would love to see ten plus years of Daniel Jones. But I just want to I want to hear I want to hear your opinion as a Giants fan watching them obviously a lot more than maybe I do. Yes, I mean, so we know that this is Daniel Jones' make-or-break year. Um, I'm back in on the Daniel Jones contract extension train. train. Like, I, I think he, he deserves it. Uh, how much? 20, how much is a different question. I want, let's see how the season finishes. Mm, okay. But in the future, you have guys like Kadarius Toney. Kadarius Toney's been unreal when he's when he's not hurt. He didn't have the best game of four receptions for 26 yards. He's talented. He's ta- Yeah, he Very knows where talented. to go. Yeah. He's fast. He you know went, went to Florida um, but Daniel Jones, 22 for 32, 222 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. I'll take that any day for Daniel Jones. I'm very happy with that. The only thing is, you know, he, those are, you know, we, we don't have Saquon Barkley anymore, um, or not in, for, for the foreseeable future. We had Devontae Booker who's been taking the majority of our rushing. 
touches. Um, he was the only running back, actually, that took touches the other night. Um, he had 60 yards, and sure, maybe you could say if Saquon played, Rutgers could have squeaked out another touchdown or gotten at least into field goal range one more time um, and had Graham Gano kick a field goal. But I, I I like Daniel Jones now. I'm like I, The defense is being bolstered up. You have a Dory Jackson, eight tackles. You have Rutgers product, Logan Ryan, seven tackles. The defense is going to hold. The defense held their own. And you need the offense to produce. You need their offense to push you over the bump. And while I don't think Daniel Jones will ever amount to someone like Josh Allen, I, I think he has a very high ceiling, and we have not seen anywhere close to that ceiling. I think one thing with Daniel Jones, and I talked about Noah Vedral earlier today, he's sneaky athletic. Like He can make plays on the run. And I think that's one thing that lends to Daniel Jones being able to, you know, work off schedule and, you know, extend extend out of the pocket because unless you're like Tom Brady who's surgical with the with passing the football from the pocket, I think most quarterbacks have to have that element of athleticism to their game to be able to be effective in the league today. Um but yeah, I think I think in the end of the day, I don't think Daniel, in my opinion, I don't think Daniel Jones is the type of guy to lead a team to multiple Super Bowls or to a Super Bowl run. Um, I think if he maybe if he has a you know tremendous defense, they might be able to get there. But you know, in terms of being one of those t- upper echelon quarterbacks, you know, we'll wait and see, of course. But I think as we sit here right now, I wouldn't really see that as Daniel Jones being the guy moving forward. Now. Getting as you said, we don't know yet with the price tag. The price tag is going to be mass, going to be huge in terms of determining, you know, if you keep Daniel Jones or not. That's that. I mean, it's huge because you know why was Dak Prescott not signed for so long? It was the dollar amount. Jerry didn't want to pay about forty some odd million dollars for Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott wanted to be paid forty million dollars, and Jerry finally acquiesced and. Luckily, it has turned out to be one of the best investments Jerry's ever made so far. So the dollar amount's huge, and it's going to really determine what, you know, his future with the Giants is going to be. Yeah, and I think he does have a future with the Giants. Um, the Giants are a rebuilding team. The Giants should have a high, should have a couple high first rounders this year, depending on how the Bears end up doing. Although now the Bears are starting to pick up a little bit. Justin Fields looks really really good out in Chicago that fourth down play was insane oh my god that was that was magnificent yeah. I mean that's one of those plays that it's just so exciting to watch and it was on fourth down too I mean that, that was a huge a huge point in the game for the Bears absolutely um but I I think Daniel Jones has a future it's I mean unless something happens and he just these last few games are just a complete fluke and Daniel Jones is throwing two interceptions and 150 yards every day for the rest of the year then okay, fine. Let's we'll figure it out. But you have guys. You have a healthy Sterling Shepard. You have Kadarius Tony. We'll see what happens with Kenny Galladay. Yeah, what's the deal with him? Have, what you mentioned? You mentioned Saquon before. I want to hear. I want to hear about Saquon because um, I don't follow the Giants as much as I do Dallas. Um, you know what's the deal with Saquon? Because I thought he was getting close to coming back. You said that he might not be back for the foreseeable future. And also Galladay, he has a hamstring injury, right? Yeah, and, and Saquon, too, today was just added to the COVID-19 list. Um, really? Yeah, the running backs coach was also put on the list, so I feel like it was going mm-hmm. around the room. So we'll see what happens there. Um, the Giants put uh, Saquon Barkley and Xavier McKinney on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. Um, 
But, I mean, also we know he's been injured. I mean, we'll... Yeah, at some point as a Giants fan, you just can't expect Saquon Barkley to play 17 games a year. Well, his injury, his injury from the Cowboys game was really unfortunate. That's just like, that's just something you literally just that could happen to anyone. I don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't really see that as being him being injury prone. I just see that being an extremely, extremely bad break. Um, but I think switching over to the NFC, we this NFL season has developed really, really, really interestingly. Um, I think coming into the year, I think the consensus was that the AFC was the better conference. They had the better quarterbacks. They had the better teams. And maybe the NFC was top-heavy, but it wasn't as top-heavy as it is now, where you have Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and the Cowboys all with one loss and really just ruling over the NFC and making it really a bloodbath for all those four teams. Now, the NFC... NFC playoff picture is going to change radically this week, I think, because Kyler Murray, as we just said before, um, I looked it up before, Kyler Murray's dealing with an ankle injury that is likely to keep him out this week, which is huge news for the Cardinals. And Aaron Rodgers, talking about the COVID list, Aaron Rodgers just came down with COVID today, and he's going to be out for the Chiefs game this Sunday. And he is reportedly unvaccinated, so... You know, that might endanger his availability going forward. We don't know yet. But the NFC playoff picture might change radically over these next couple of weeks. And, Gideon, I just want to hear your thoughts about, you know, how uh, specifically the NFC is shaping up because it looks it – looks re- it's it's really tight right now. Yeah, I mean, the NFC West is a scary, scary conference. That's, you know, by far the, the strongest the conference in the NFL. Um, you have the Cardinals, the Rams, the Niners, and the Seahawks. And the Seahawks are on the bottom of the conference – you know, we know Russell Wilson's hurt. You have your Chris Carson's hurt too. You have Geno Smith playing for you with Alex Collins being your number one running back. You still have three wins, five losses on the year. I, how much could you fault the Seahawks? This isn't, you know, Russell Wilson. If everyone's healthy in that conference, you have Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, Trey Sermon, and Russell Wilson. The and NFC West is ridiculous. Exactly. And we know Trey Sermon's new, but if Trey Sermon develops in in two years, think about how scary that's going to be. Absolutely. And I kind of glossed over them mainly because um, of the injury to their quarterback this Sunday. But New Orleans Saints are right up there with everyone else. They're five and two right now. Um, Unfortunately, Jameis Winston is now out for the year and Trevor Simeon's your quarterback. Um, But that defense, I mean, sort of God, they're taught. I wouldn't go as far to say they're Tom Brady's kryptonite, but their their defense has given Tom Brady problems over the course of his two years in Tampa. They're zero and three, or Brady's zero and three against them in the regular season. Um, I'm not calling him. They're calling the Saints their kryptonite because Brady beat them when it mattered most last year. But the Saints are the Saints are a team you definitely got to look out for because you know they're going to be well coached. You know Sean Payton's going to take risks whenever he sees it. Um, you know they have Alvin Kamara, who's one of the best backs in the entire league. Um, Michael Thomas just announced or just announced that he won't be coming back this year. But when you have Alvin Kamara, when you have that defense, you're going to give up a fighter's chance. And of course, with Sean Payton as your head coach. Yeah, and I mean you're doing that without Michael Thomas too. And exactly. I mean, just imagine if you had a, a healthy Michael Thomas on that team. We'll see if it's Trey Sermon or or, or Taysom Hill throwing the ball. Um, but Trevor yeah. Simeon. 
Or Trevor Simeon, yeah, excuse yeah. me, not Trey Sermon. Excuse me. Um, Trey Sermon throwing balls for the Saints would be something. That'd be a huge storyline. <laughs> that, that'd be really big. We'd have to spend an hour talking about that one. Um, but I, I'm actually very excited for the Packers-Chiefs game. I'm, I, I can't. Oh, man. I'm, I'm so upset about that game because it had potential to be one of the best games of the season so far. Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. You know, Chiefs trying to dig themselves out of an early season hole. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers trying to, you know, con- uh, continue their regular season success after, you know, seven straight wins, obviously. And now it's going to be Jordan Love. And as much as Jordan Love's first NFL start in Arrowhead might be appealing, it's not as appealing as Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. Of course. And from a complete, you know, aesthetic and football fan perspective, I completely agree with you. Just, just you know, the marketing of Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes, and it's not a primetime game, but still, Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes makes your ears perk up. It will be interesting to see Jordan Love because we all know that, you know, Jordan Love was drafted when Aaron Rodgers was still a good quarterback. We, we thought Aaron Rodgers was going to leave. We did not expect Aaron Rodgers to be taking snaps for the Green Bay Packers this year. But now we have Jordan Love playing in a, playing in a, in a game where, I mean, who knows about the Chiefs? Maybe the Chiefs come out and... You know, the Chiefs are 4-4, four and four, Packers are 7-1. Are and one. Who knows, the Chiefs could come out there and surprise them. Who knows, man. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't discount the Chiefs to get hot and rattle off a bunch of wins because I know who that quarterback is. And as much as he's been as much as he's been criticized this year for his interceptions and, you know, trying to trying to make plays that aren't there, he's pa- he's Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day. Patrick Mahomes has the ability to absolutely destroy a defense without even flick, uh, flicking uh, flicking up a finger sometimes. He's he's Patrick Mahomes, and you have to respect that at the end of the day. Um, and in terms of the Packers, I mean, this is Jordan just in Jordan Love's time. This is this is sometimes in the NFL you don't know when your chance is going to be to prove people. You know, Cooper Rush had a Sunday night stage in Minnesota on Halloween night as his time to shine. He took advantage of it. Jordan Love, um, I'm pretty sure Devontae Adams is going to be back. I'm pretty sure all those receivers that missed the Arizona game. Right, Alan Lazard, they should yeah. all be back. Um, MVS, Alan Lazard, they're all going to be back. So he'll have his complement of weapons. Aaron Jones, of course, is still there. Um, this is his chance, man. This is his chance to really go prove something. Imagine walking out of Arrowhead with a win um, against the Chiefs, who are really trying to win games at this point because they're 4-4 four and four and not trying to um, – not trying to fall out of the AFC playoff picture. And that's what I like the most about that game is both teams are trying to prove, or not both teams, the Chiefs are trying to prove themselves as a team. Jordan Love is trying to prove himself as a quarterback and as the future of the Packers. And that's what I think interests me is Jordan Love, you know, almost Jordan Love versus the world. Like, what's going to happen? This is, you're being thrown in, and it's, you're not a guy like Cooper Rush or Mike White. You know, as cool as those storylines are, you're a guy who was strategically drafted. You know, the Packers really wanted Jordan Love, and they were willing to take him a little bit earlier, you know, in... You know, they were were willing to take a quarterback earlier in Aaron Rodgers' career than I think some people expected. But I think it'll be interesting to see how Jordan Love is, if he's able to prove himself. Um, We'll see what happens with that. Just trying to look at the rest of the games over the weekend. I mean, we talked about it on locks. This Chargers-Eagles game should be a Chargers victory. Yeah, Vegas seems to think it will be, but not by as much as we think it'll be. (laughs) I think in the general uh, general consensus too. I'm actually looking at the uh, 
I'm actually looking at the records right now, the points for points against. Chargers are four and three, but have been outscored by five points. That's actually surprising to me. Now, am I brilliant? Am I blanking on what happened last week? Okay, they Oh, they lost to the Patriots, of course. But the Patriots the Patriots are an extremely good team and Bill Belichick is Nick Sirianni is not one one millionth of the coach Bill Belichick is. So I, I still don't understand that line. Um I guess Danny, if you want to talk about this. Moving over to the playoff picture for the AFC, the number one seed in the AFC right now, as we stand here today, is the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans had their fair share of bad news this week. Um, Derrick Henry going down for it could be the season. I think they said six to ten weeks. Um, Nonetheless, Derrick Henry, their bell cow back, their centerpiece of their offense is gone for an extended period of time. And... You know, that's a huge deal for the number one seed in the AFC. Getting got any thoughts on the Titans? Yeah, I mean, losing Derrick Henry, having a questionable Julio Jones, that means your best offensive player is going to be A.J. Brown, who was great last week. He stepped in place of of Julio Jones, and he looked great against the Colts, and we know that, that was a very, very close overtime game. But A.J. Brown held his own. He Ten receptions for 155 yards and a touchdown. I mean that that's an excellent day. Granted, you're the number you're the wide receiver one stepping in, um, and there's pretty much no wide receiver two on that team. Um, it, it should be AJ Brown with Julio one being wide receiver one, and then you should be giving it to the if you want to run the ball, you give it to Derrick Henry, and that should be enough to win to win you a couple games. Is that enough to take you to the Super Bowl? Probably not, especially now. And I think the Titans fully healthy lost to the New York Jets. The Titans are now banged up, playing the Rams on Sunday Night Football. And we talked about the Rams. I'm really big on the Rams right now. I think the Rams, even before the Von Miller trade, looked fantastic. Cooper Cup is playing out of his mind right now. Matthew Stafford is... They're not. Yeah, Matthew Stafford looks, you know, fantastic. Um, which, I don't know who ever said that about Matthew Stafford before, but, I mean, he's a good quarterback. He has receivers to throw the ball to now. He doesn't have Kenny Galladay, and that's pretty much it. Marvin Jones Jr., he finally has receivers. Um, he has tight ends. He has an O-line. He has running backs, and when they're not on the field, they have a scary, scary defense. They have Sebastian Joseph Day, Rutgers product, we talked about. They have Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, so many players on that defense. I'm really, really excited for the Titans-Rams game. If the Titans are able to find a way to victory, that's a confidence that I think your team needs, especially, you know, you're not going to have Derrick Henry. You're going to have Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball to A.J. Brown, and I, I'm not too sure of Julio Jones' injury status. I don't think it's that bad. He should potentially be able to play. Um, So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that, but I'm excited for that game too. That'll be a really fun game Sunday night. Yeah, I think I think one thing the, the Titans have going for them is that their division sucks. They, the Titans are 6-2 and two standing on top of it. Um, I've... They have the Colts who are after them. They're three and five, and I had my I've had my fair share of complaints against the Colts so far this episode, so I won't go won't go farther with that. And then the Jaguars and Titan or Texans, Jaguars and Texans, who are with the Lions, two of the three worst teams in the entire league. So they have that working for them. But the AFC, if you look through the if you look through the standings, it's like a power vacuum without the Chiefs being good. The Ravens are leading the AFC North right now after the Bengals had that terrible loss to the Jets on Sunday. But the Ravens, they still have a ton of people on IR. They lost all those guys at the beginning of the season. Their entire running back room. Exactly. So, you know, 
Lamar Jackson's terrific, but how long can they sustain that without all that production gone? Um, AFC West, we just talked about the Chargers and Chiefs. The Raiders are currently on top of that division, and man, what a what a season for the Raiders so far with all the stuff they've gone through. For them to be five and two is incredible with the whole John Gruden situation, and just just recently that horrible situation with Henry Ruggs, um, their number one draft pick from a year ago. He's no longer with the team, and you know that leaves the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, I think, are at this point the team to beat in the AFC with the Titans with Derrick Henry gone. You know, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, that defense. Sean McDermott's a really good head coach. Um, I think at the end of the day, the Bills and this power vacuum of an AFC are the team to beat and the team that you know you should probably fear coming out of the AFC. And one last note, Gideon, the Patriots are sitting there at four and four. And they've rattled off a couple wins. They have Bill Belichick still. You know they're going to be in games. Going into that game against the Patriots, for me as a Cowboys fan, I knew it wasn't going to be a blowout because it's Bill Belichick. He's going to find a way to keep him in the game. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And you just know if you go against the Patriots, it's going to be a dogfight. You're not going to win in a blowout. So never count out the Patriots. But I just thought that's really interesting what's going on with the AFC right now. Yeah, and one thing just to make it even more interesting is the Titans have they beat the Bills a couple weeks ago. Granted, it was by three points, but or, but the Titans beat the Bills, and I think that that'll be a storyline to follow as the season goes on. I think that'll be really interesting, really interesting to see in the way that two top AFC teams. I mean, Jag, I, I think anyone would be silly to argue with you that the Bills aren't the best performing team in the AFC right now. And had had we been talking about this last week, um, I would have said probably would have said the Bengals. But the Bengals just lost to the Jets. And I think the Bills standing at five and two right now, I think they could do something with that. I you know, it'll be interesting to see as the season gets going a little bit more. The Bills have a very, very easy schedule coming up right now. They have the Jaguars this week, Jets the next week, Colts, and then it gets a little bit more difficult, Saints, Patriots, Bucks. But right now you have two gimme games. Jaguars, Jets, that's where you just have to come in, put your foot on the gas. Don't stop. Walk out with multiple score victories in both of those games. You got to take advantage of those three games because, as you said, the next three games after that are Saints, Bucks, and who was it? It goes so it goes Jaguars, Jets mm-hmm. over the next two weeks. Must you you can't lose those games. Right. Colts again. You shouldn't lose that game. Mm-hmm. Then it gets difficult. Saints, Patriots, Bucks. Right. Okay. Going into December. Yeah. You're that gonna, changes things. You're gonna need you're gonna need to take advantage of those games before. I definitely agree, Gideon. Um, I want to propose this question real quick. We got about 15 minutes left on the show. Um, I've got some answers for this question. I'll let I'll answer first to uh, let you do some thinking on it. Who are your got or teams that have surprised you, and who are some teams that have disappointed you so far this season? I'll start with the teams that have disappointed me, and then I'll hand it over to you, Gideon. Um, looking at the standings right now, and one team that has clearly disappointed so far this year is the Miami Dolphins. They had really promising season last year they were right on the verge of making the playoffs um unfortunately they didn't get in and you know they just have been not been able to put it together this year they're sitting at one and seven Tua has been in and out of the lineup um their defense has not played up the par they've lost some games that you know they might have they shouldn't have lost they lost to they lost to the Falcons a couple weeks ago on a game-winning field goal they lost to the Jaguars in London um lost to the Colts Lost to the Raiders in overtime. Their only win is a last sec is a 
one point winning against the Patriots at the beginning of the year. It's been it's been a really difficult season for the Dolphins so far. And, you know, with them being in the mix for the Sean Watson trade, obviously that didn't end up going through. It's just I think they're a really uh, disappointing team because a lot of people had higher expectations for them. And one more team I'll say in the NFC is the Washington football team. They were they were the they were the consensus pick to win the NFC East. No one really expected the Cowboys to come out and be as good as they are this year. A lot of people are questioning Dak Prescott how he's going to be after the ankle surgery and, you know, how good the defense was going to be after playing so horribly last year and horribly is an understatement for how bad the Cowboys defense was last year. But, you know, the point is the Washington football team was the consensus pick to win the division. They had they have the defensive front of Chase Young, uh, Montez Sweat, who actually is hurt now, I think. They have a bunch of first-round picks on that offensive uh, defensive front. Um, they had Antonio Gibbs, and they have Terry McLaurin. They were the pick to win the NFC East, and they're sitting here at two and six, really struggling. Um, I think, in, I think you know, in summary of what I just said, those are the two teams: Washington Football Team and the Miami Dolphins those are the two teams that disappointed me the most um just because of their expectations coming into the year yeah um I I really like that I think you know with the Dolphins being disappointing comes Tua being disappointing and you know when are we going to see Tua take a step up when are we going to see Tua become a part of not not the highest echelon of quarterbacks but when when is he going to be a top 15 or top 10 quarterback it's it's interesting because it's like it's it's so interesting with Tua because I remember in the 2020 draft there's so much talk as there always is about who should go before who and you know who's the better quarterback which who, quarterback is the team's future exactly who should that, be the yeah. better court who will be the better quarterback now the top quarterbacks at the 2020 draft if memory serves me was Joe Burrow who was the consensus number one pick he was a Bengals guy um, and it was Tua and it was Justin Herbert am I missing anyone Gideon. Tua, I don't think so. I think it was just those three. Um, yeah. It's really easy to forget people when you're uh, re- when you're trying to talk about stuff like this. Let me just pull up the draft. Especially with the quarterbacks. Like every year in the draft, yeah. it feels like this is the quarterback draft. Oh, exactly. If you need a quarterback, this is a year to get it every exactly. year. Exactly. And that's not to just, you know, to say anything about the quarterbacks that have been drafted recently. There's been fantastic quarterback talent coming out of the last couple of drafts, but it's every year. Just see, maybe this year will be a little bit different with the way things Absolutely. are shaping up, but. I mean, people I were hyping up Geno Smith in 2013. So, it's uh, <laughs> where, where are those people now? <laughs> <laughs> he's got a starting he's he's got a starting job right now as of <laughs> as of November 3rd, 2021. Geno Smith is his starter in the NFL. You could <laughs> for, you could argue me with it, however you want, but for a last is, place for a last fa- place Seahawks. The fact is, Geno Smith is a starter at this moment. So, but um, the point I'm trying to make about Tua is so interesting because. Justin Herbert was picked right after him, and Justin Herbert is consensusly viewed as one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. And to have a guy picked right after you like that, and you know, have your team be one in seven and underperforming, it's got to be tough on Tua. And I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't write him off, obviously, this early. But you know, the question, the question stays the same: is is Tua going to fulfill that? potential that um the Dolphins thought he had when he was drafted number fifth that remains to be seen now Justin Herbert has proved people maybe a little bit earlier than Tua has but 
you know, we'll we'll see at the end of the day. We'll, we'll wait and see. I think it's encouraging that the Dolphins um, ultimately didn't pull through on the Deshaun Watson trade. Um, I guess maybe that's a vote of confidence in Tua. Hopefully he can take it that way and, uh, you know, create a better future than what he's had so far in the NFL. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But I think some teams that – I think, Jack, answering your question um, – some teams that have surprised me. First of all, Tom Brady's still producing in the way that he's producing right now, and the Bucks together. I mean, that that's incredible. Um, I think teams that have surprised me right now. I like the Patriots at four and four. I'd, I would not have seen them there. I think Mac Jones has looked really good so far. I also just want to say the Jets have beaten the Titans and the Bengals. And granted, those are their only victories, and I don't think the Jets are going to be able to squeak out many more victories, but. I think that's notable. I think that's absolutely notable. You know, they were home victories, but I think that's notice. That's um, notable. And one team that surprised me right now, the Ravens. I would have thought the Ravens would, probably, would pretty much be where they are right now before the season, except the Ravens, their entire running back room is being, was gutted before the season, and they're still five and two. Um, I like that. I, I think that. I think that says a lot about Lamar Jackson um, and what he's able to do with his receivers. And I think also the Raiders being 5-2 and two surprises me. I think at some point we will see the Chiefs rise up in the AFC West division and the, and the Raiders take a couple steps down. But we'll see what happens. Still plenty more NFL. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of this break, we have Rapid Fire going over some stories you may have missed throughout this show. got 10 minutes left on WRSU The Crew today. Welcome back. It is 7.51 p.m. Um, I'm here with my good friend Gideon Fox. I'm Jack Basaya. We have, and welcome to WRSU The Crew Wednesday edition. Now, this is the rapid fire segment, and I got a rapid fire take for you. I was just talking to Gideon in the break. In FM, we have a TV here hanging up on the wall, and I... Currently on the screen is Brooklyn Nets and Atlanta Hawks. The Nets have their throwback jerseys on dedicated to the old New Jersey Nets. And I am I am incensed right now with what I see on the court. I think the jerseys are nice, but they have a close-up on it right now. The I'm sure a lot of our listeners know what the old-school New Jersey Nets logo looked like. The Nets managed to ruin it on the court. They have... The old next logo, but instead of an NJ inside the basketball, they have a B. I guess to represent represent Brooklyn. That's 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 criminal, Gideon. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the Nets were so close to having the aesthetic of this game be off the charts. <laughs> I mean, those those throwback jerseys, those city issue nice. jerseys, are so nice. And they're the way nice. it goes, the 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 center logo of the court, they're showing it now. The center logo looks fantastic. And Jack, when you pointed it out, you're like, "Do you see the old? Do you see the Nets logo?" I was like, "Oh yeah, that's awesome. That's the old logo." You go, "No, look again." I was like, "Oh my god, they did it. They they ruined it." Um, I mean, think about how cool it would have been for any longtime Nets fan that was a fan of the Nets before the move, or any New Jersey sports fan, to see that logo one more time on TV. It's like the Nets didn't move from like New Jersey to like Canada. These guys, like, they moved across the river. They're in Brooklyn now. They were in Prudential, the IZOD slash Prudential Center, whatever you want to call it. They were over in Newark. They were, New Jer- they were the New Jersey Nets. Now they're the Brooklyn Nets. That's like, 
give or take. I mean, I know New York City traffic is a beast, but that's that's not that far of a drive. And no, it's the same fan base. I what mean, I'm what like I'm trying to say is that if you wanted to put the NJ in there and just keep it classic, that's fine. Like you don't have to ruin the logo and put a B in there. It just ruins. It just ruins it. It just ruins it. I, I don't know why I'm so mad about it. Well, it's not. I mean. Probably a solid majority of the people at this game right now at the Barclays Center are going to take the train back to New Jersey <laughs> later tonight. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is cool to see the old Nets logo, but now I can't stop seeing it. It's it's the B in the basketball instead of the NJ. That's oh, just, man. That's just, that's just, it's just weird. Oh, man. It's like, it's like everyone doing their part in a school project, but that one guy does absolutely nothing. <laughs> so it's... it's it's not you had one not, job. It would have been it would if that guy did something, then it would have been like, you know, if every person on you hear that in songs a lot when it's a it's a great song, you know, when everyone did their part in a school project. Well, this is if four people were in a school project and three people did something and the other one didn't. Um I guess we can go into some rapid fire NBA takes. The NBA season just started. Um there's been some it's obviously too pretty kind of early to distinguish the the championship contenders from the fla- the fakers or the guys who might not be as good, but it's been an interesting start to the season. Um, I myself am a Lakers fan. I've been watching them. They've been slowly figuring it out. They've been it's a long process, eighty two games. Everyone knows this, but it's been it's been a really interesting NBA season so far, as it always is. Um, Gideon, do you have any thoughts on what's going on so far early in the season? Yeah, I mean, so far, I've really liked the way the Bulls have been playing. I think this we're, we're not used to saying that um, the Bulls have not been good in a while. But right now, in the top of the East, you have the Heat, Bulls, and Knicks. And everyone expected the Sixers to be up there. Sixers are 5-2 and two right now. And like you said, it, you know, it's it's way too early to, to either freak out about your team or to say that the Knicks are going to go all the way and be a four seed and make it into the playoffs. It, it's way too early to say anything about that. But having the Heat, Bulls, Knicks being the top teams – um, in the Eastern Conference, I think says a lot about the way the season's going. You know, the Nets are in eighth place. You know, a lot of people would have thought the Nets could have been, um, you know, would have been the the Eastern Conference favorite this year. They probably would have could have played the Sixers, you know, down the road in the playoffs. Um, I mean, right now the Knicks are losing to the Pacers by it was nine a little bit earlier. Pacers got off to a huge run to start the game. Now they're up eleven with two minutes to go before halftime. Um, but over in the West, I mean, the Jazz have just been so dominant so far, six and one. Um, they've only lost one game on the road. I'm, I mean, I you know I, I watch more of the Eastern Conference. It's so much easier. Right here. You can just watch, watch some Knicks and watch the Nets. And you know we knew that we we had expectations for the Nets. I think the expectations were a lot lower for the Knicks. But I think the Knicks right now, just seven games into the season, are exceeding those expectations. Exactly. Um. Quick note about the Bulls. I mean, who would have thought? Like, okay, I knew the Bulls were going to be improved this season. They brought in Lonzo, who I've always been a big fan of. They still have Zach Levine. They brought in DeMar DeRozan, which in my opinion was a pretty interesting get. Um, but he's worked in really well for them. They pulled out a massive upset win over the Celtics um, the other night. They came back from a big deficit. Um, they beat they have, the Jazz too. They beat the Jazz. I'm never. I'm. I'm never. I'm not going to trust the Jazz until I see it in the playoffs. That's just the way they've conducted themselves over the past couple years um, from losing in those early rounds. So I'm not getting too giddy about them being having a strong start to the season. But how about the, how about the Knicks? How, how about the Knicks? I know I have a lot of Knicks friends 
and they are they are really happy with what they're doing so far. I watched the end of their opening night game against the Celtics, and that was absolutely wild. Um, it was a ton of fun to see the Knicks being good, and it's kind of it's kind of like that thing where, you know, in the NFL, whether you like it or not, if the Dallas Cowboys are good, then the NFL is just better. Even if you're not a fan, the NFL is a lot more interesting because you got a team like the Cowboys, where it's polarizing. There are being good it just makes the product better with the nba if the knicks are good it's that same type of thing in my opinion yeah i, I see what you're saying with that i mean like we said the knicks are losing to the pacers right now but the knicks did a lot over the offseason brought in evan fournier kemba walker you know still have rj barrett julius randall um derrick rose playing minutes off the bench i think that the knicks are building up the knicks are doing all that they can right now to become you know, another good team in the New York market. I think right now, obviously, the best team in the New York market right now is, is the Nets. I think that goes undisputed, regardless of standings right now. Um, especially if the Nets have Kyrie. The Nets have Kyrie. I think the Nets are way higher in the Eastern Conference division. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, I think I still think it's really early to give your opinions on who's who's good and who's not in the NBA, just because. It's so early. You, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, defending champions, they've been pretty riddled injuries so far. They're sitting at 4-4. Four and four. Um, You know, there's good teams that, you know, might have had a slow start to the season that you know will probably turn it around. Um, I remember seeing last week, I think it was like, it was like after teams like played like three games each. And, excuse me, Um, it was like they showed like a playoff picture. They were they were showing like you know if the season ended today here is the here's the teams in the playoffs here's the teams in the play in here's the teams who are right. out and in, in November like, the Warriors are three and zero like you know second through sixth place is all two and one and then like, playing <laughs> games are all two and one it's like what are you doing NBA like the the playoffs playoff seating of course you want to win every game you do because you want because it'll become it'll become really handy later on into the season but it's way too early to um. It's way too early to, you know, get too high or too low, as you were saying, Gideon, about your teams. Just watch it, see trends, and, you know, watch watch your team ball. <laughs> watch your team ball. And with that, we will end the show here on the Wednesday Crew. This has been Gideon Fox and my good friend Jack Basea. Don't go anywhere. Still plenty of great programming coming to you from WRSU, so keep it locked to WRSU. FM, New Brunswick, and a line at WRSU.org. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Since it was launched in the late 1970s, the Blues Show at WRSU has always been eclectic. Tune in with me, Richard Skelly, 8 p.m. on Thursday evenings. You'll enjoy a varied mix, everything from classic pre-war blues of the 20s and 30s to the latest in contemporary blues, Zydeco and blues rock from hotspots like Austin, Boston, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, New Orleans, and the Jersey Shore. 
for a wide-ranging mix of music, join me 8 to 10 p.m. Thursday nights for the Low Budget Blues Program, only here at WRSU-FM, New Brunswick, Rutgers University. On the air at 88.7 FM and online at WRSU.org. This is WRSU-FM, New Brunswick, Rutgers University.